Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Seta. We're just coming off the Orthopreneur Summit in Denver, and it was great meeting and reconnecting with so many of you. Today's podcast is actually the first of three episodes that we recorded at the Mother of Pearls Conference in Minnesota. Before we dive in, if you want to share some love for Illuminate, I would appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And please don't forget to subscribe or follow Illuminate on your favorite podcast app. Now, without further ado, we're on to today's episode. I looked at everything and I said, it's not about me. I had made it about me up until that point. If I work hard enough, it will work out. If I do this, it will work out. But really, the second you start kind of looking and saying, well, how can I serve other people? How can I help our patients? How can I help our community? How can I help better the lives of our staff and our team? Man, that's when special stuff started to happen. I'm Dr. Chris Seta, and I'm shining a light on the innovators of our profession. Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. On today's show, my guest is Dr. Grant Collins. Most of you know Dr. Grant Collins, perhaps better known by his moniker, The Braces Guy, as an orthodontist and social media creator. The term creator has become ubiquitous in today's culture as someone who makes content, whether that be videos, music, blog posts, or even podcasts. But the core of every creator is creativity. And what inspires creativity is actually our curiosity. Author Michelle McKay wrote, Curiosity is the spark that ignites the imagination in the first place. Without curiosity, there would be no innovation, no art, no culture, no progress. In a recent paper on behavioral sciences, researchers Madeline Gross and Claire Zedelius went on to say, Curiosity involves the pursuit of new knowledge and experiences, whereas creativity involves transforming existing knowledge, ideas, or objects into something novel and interesting. When framed in this way, it's easy to see the overlap between the two. Both revolve around novelty. As you'll hear on today's episode, it was curiosity that led Dr. Grant Collins outside of conventional orthodontic circles to learn about how to run his business. This led him to take courses from the Ritz-Carlton and Disney and read books about companies like Starbucks. Grant was then able to use his creativity to apply and transform these principles into his own practice and social media. Well, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, Grant? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell everyone where we're at? We are in Minneapolis, in That's Minnesota. Right. Yeah. We're in your home state. We are in my home state, and it's a beautiful time of year here. September's oh, it, the best time. It's it gorgeous. It's not too cold yet. The <laughs> last time I was in Minneapolis, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Ben, I'll mention him. He went to law school at University of Minnesota, and it was like in November, and it was so <laughs> cold. That's one of the worst months. We're here at the Mother of Pearls Orthodontic Conference. This is the first podcast I'm recording here. And I want to thank Grant so much for joining us. Of course, you might know him as the Braces Guy on social media. I think people know me more as the Braces Guy than my actual name nowadays. I just just literally just... What's your name again? I think it's Grant. I'll check the birth certificate. But (laughs) I I actually put a poll on on our Instagram two days ago because Kyle did this amazing thing for the digital orthodox about like the the fantasy draft. And he put my real name on there. I put a poll up. Do people know me as as Grant Collins or the Brace Guy? And I think it was like 70% of my followers on Instagram didn't even know my real name. Oh, is that right? Just the Braces Guy. They know your face, though. That's yeah, for sure. Apparently. So I'm yeah. just going to change my name to the Braces Guy, officially. Okay. Well, I saw you trademarked it. And I actually, I looked it up and you legitimately did trademark that process, which I think is super cool. I did. We we were getting a lot of people that were creating fake accounts. I realized early on we were getting just a ton of stuff happening that way where people are using that. I'm like, oh man, just to protect us, I thought it was a smart idea early on. Yeah. I don't so. know. Maybe I could be the aligner guy. There you know, go. So <laughs> go for it. <laughs> it's open. I got to sneak in before uh, Jonathan Nikazisis uh, grabs it. <laughs> Do it. But anyway, since we're in your home state, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background and where you grew up. 
Yeah, most of my childhood was in Rochester, Minnesota. And so I'm used to the cold. I love it up here. You know, as a kid, I was always just into sports, really into just being a busy guy. I mean, I always had to be doing something or my mom used to say I tired her out when I was a kid. But I ended up going to school here, went to school at St. Olaf College too, played soccer there for four years. And I went to Minnesota for dental school, then back to Mayo Clinic in my hometown for residency and then decided to open a practice in my hometown. Which is awesome. And you're basically just Minnesota born and raised. Well, born in Nebraska. I'm a Husker at at heart. I know. Okay. Secrets out. (laughs) Yeah, secrets out. We bounced around a little bit because my dad was in medical school. We ended up going different places for residencies and training. So I was in Nebraska for a while, Ohio, Wisconsin, La Crosse, Wisconsin, and then eventually Minnesota. So, okay. But and, most of my childhood was in Minnesota. And tell me what type of physician is your father? Yeah, he started as an ER doc and loved uh-huh. it. And to be honest, it, it started to wear on him, I think, a, a bit after a while. So he went back to do another residency at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, ended up uh, going into radiology. Oh, radiology. And so then we stuck stuck to uh, to Rochester after that. And here we are. Now, how did you wind up going into dentistry? Like, were they sort of encouraging you to go into medicine? Yeah. So my grandfather and father are both in medicine. So that was kind of the route. Once I figured I wasn't going to make it as a professional athlete (laughs) (laughs) and um, I realized, hey, maybe a health field would be awesome. So spent some time shadowing them. That's how I always wanted it. And then I ended up just randomly shadowing a dentist one day. And I had a couple over... For dinner, one was a one was a dentist and one was a radiologist of all things. And I asked him, like, what do you love about your professions? What do you not like about it? And after that, I really decided maybe dentistry is for me and spent some more time shadowing other offices and found it really fit my personality better. Which is awesome. And I think I shared with you, my father and grandfather were physicians as well. And I think one of the big driving factors for me is I just could never deal with the blood and guts. But for some reason in the mouth, it was fine. And I always had a great experience at the dentist through orthodontist. It was always Absolutely. like a fun place for me. So, yeah. you know, I think that was one of the driving reasons for myself to, to so get cool. into it. Yeah, for sure. So Grant, tell me how you ended up setting up your practice. Yeah. So after residency, so I did my three years at Mayo and honestly, my wife and I aren't good at business at all. We have no one in my family's in business, really? no one in dentistry. We just wanted to find a job and we sent letters all over the state. I mean, really nobody responded. I think mean, there was maybe one or two who responded, but we knew we wanted to be in Rochester long-term mm-hmm. and there was really nothing available, at least that would guarantee us to be there for long-term. So we ended up kind of looking at each other and saying, if we want to live here, we're going to have to start our own practice. It really stressed us out. We, we had no desire to do this. And mm-hmm. I do remember Googling how to start a business though. I remember we were just like trying to figure things out and we worked super hard, got to the first day in December uh, 17th, 2013, I believe. And um, we opened our clinic and zero patients called that first day. And we were a little worried. And next day is just one person who called and it was my mom. <laughs> and, and really the first few months were like that. It was pretty scary for us. We didn't know what we were doing. It really was just kind of learning stuff along the way. But we eventually figured it out and kind of started to focus in on the things that are important, like mission and vision and values and purpose. And really that has led to a lot of growth of our business too. Yeah. And we're going to dive into all that here with Grant in a second. You know, what I found really interesting is that your first office was, I think, 1,130 square feet, right? It was, yes. And I'm just so amazed that you're up to maybe seeing like 100 patients a day in that small a space, you know, once you really started growing. We didn't expect that. It just kind of naturally happened over the years. I remember the days where it was you know, two, three people walking through your door. Um, and then I remember the days where our staff was all looking at each other and be like, oh my gosh, we have 60 patients on our schedule. What are we going to do? Like, how are we going to handle this? We were super stressed. And now we look back at that and be like, that would be the easiest day ever for us. Now we just, right. we kind of built systems to say, well, how do we keep the customer service really high and the patient experience great and the quality of care great while we're still having to see more and more people because more people kept coming. So we got up to a hundred plus in a tiny spot Um, like that. And we just made it work because we had a team that could do it. Which is awesome. And, you know, I've heard you say in some of your talks before that the most pivotal moment for your office was realizing one day this was like your aha moment that it's not about me. Yeah, that was a huge moment for me and and something that I continually have to refocus on. Really a few months in after working super, super hard one day in clinic, I had kind of that aha moment and I said, it's not about me. And I had made it about me up until that point. If I work hard enough, it will work out. If I do this, it will work out. But really the second you start kind of looking and saying, well, how can I 
serve other people? How can I help our patients? How can I help our community? How can I help better the lives of our staff and our team? Man, that's when special stuff started to happen. Which is awesome. And I think you basically went outside of the ortho industry to learn a lot of this. Is that right? Absolutely. That's where the majority of my learning has happened. Really, my passion is experience, guest experience and customer service and things that we can do to really create happiness. And I learned that through, you know, experiences at Disney and Ritz-Carlton and Starbucks and just companies that I personally was having great experiences at. And I said, well, how can we do that and bring it back to an orthodontic clinic? So some of this was just, you know, personal experiences being maybe a customer or a guest at some of these other companies. Yes. Some of it might have been maybe through books. And I I believe you did some courses too, right? Yes. So a book I read early on, The Magic of Thinking Big, and then also Be Our Guest by Disney. That was beautiful. It opened my eyes to what a mission statement really meant Mm -hmm. and what a common purpose meant and what values mean. It's not just random words you throw on, you know, a sheet of paper and, and read once a year. And yeah. I think that's what we commonly just do that because we have to check it off a list, but we don't take it more serious than that afterwards. And I've realized, and I was thankful enough to realize early on, that had to be a huge component and a core piece of creating a successful business. Mm-hmm. That book opened my eyes to that and, and I started taking it seriously. But I love how your mission statement is so succinct yet so simple, right? To serve others. Yeah, right. absolutely. It really kind of goes back to the the idea that I have a strong belief that in order for your team to be able to live and breathe your mission statement, they have to know it. They have to have it memorized. Mm-hmm. You can't, if they don't know what it is and they don't have a direction, um, then they're really not going to be able to live and breathe it through their actions on a daily basis. So I think a short mission statement is the way to go. And it just it provides a, a good amount of clarity then. Yeah. And it makes so much more sense than something, some big wigs write and it's a paragraph long and no one really understands it. And like you said, you sort of read it and okay, that's sort of cool, I guess. Yeah. I feel like the long ones, you'll see it kind of beefs them up. I'll st- I strive to do this or I strive to do that and then talks about how great you are, but it really isn't really clearly defining, well, what is it? What is our, what's the whole point of being here? What is the type of person we recruit? So mm-hmm. I think that really wrestling with this. This isn't something that happens in one day. I mean, you really have to wrestle with what your mission is. And and I would say a good place to start is reading the book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. A classic, um, right? It's amazing. And he also has some books out there and some podcasts that talk about how to find your own personal mission and purpose in life. And he has suggestions for that. So I think that's a great place for people to start. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing those. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've heard you say too, which to me is super profound, but in terms of customer service, you have to exceed the guest's expectations, not necessarily your own expectations. Yeah. I think that's where I think a lot of our offices, we, we might not get it completely right, where we just think, of course, they know that I'm going above and beyond, but the reality is they probably don't. And so mm-hmm. your ability, if you don't have that ability personally to perceive things from the eyes of others, maybe someone on your team does and can help you see that. But it's so important to understand before you can exceed guest expectations, you have to clearly understand what those are. Yeah. And if they don't even know what the expectation should be, you have to early on find a way to set that expectation so that you can exceed it. And it's a simple concept. I know I've told this story a million times about the little ice cream place in our town, but we go to this ice cream place, we drive past Two or three others, Dairy Queen North is what we call it in our town, but we do it because they give you so much more ice cream than what the top of the cup um, has. And what they're doing, the top of the cup is all it is, is setting the expectation for how much ice cream should be in that cup. Mm. And when the ice cream is two or three inches higher, they've exceeded the expectation at that moment. If it's lower, you're all of a sudden going to cause, you know, someone to be super angry because they didn't get as much as they paid for. So really... The cost of the product is the top of the cup and the value is where you fill it to. Which I think is just a great metaphor. And Thank uh, you. And I love ice cream, so I, I'll never turn down an ice cream. What's your favorite flavor? <laughs> oh, man, I have so many. Cookies and cream right now is just a classic for me. So uh, I will one. always go to that, but I, I change every year. I always have a new one that I Do love. Do you? Yeah. We have a local gelato shop, and this mm. is going to sound strange, but they have a flavor called Violet, which is like flowers, but it's actually <laughs> really good. I mean, I know most people are going to go for like a chocolate or, you know, caramel, but... Uh. I'd do any any type of ice cream. Violet, that would be interesting to <laughs> try that. It's interesting. I'm like, wow, it. this is surprisingly good. I've seen like lavender type of thing. I've never seen a violet. Yeah. I'd have to try it. <laughs> oh, there cool. we go. 
Grant, talk to me a little bit about your office culture. And I know you refer to a lot of these things as sort of foundational principles, right? Well, certainly you advocate for hiring for attitude and not experience. And that that's sort of like a familiar mantra that people hear, but really how do you live and breathe that? It really, it starts with having a foundation of a clear mission, a clear purpose and clear values. And I don't need to get into that too much depth here, but really without a direction, you don't really know what type of person to hire. You don't know what type of systems to create. I mean, it really has to start there. I, I don't think there's any other way. And I think if you're in, a, in an office right now and you don't have that, it might be a good time to really take a beat and figure out what that is for you. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, um, I think some big components on customer service are to keep coming back on what that looks like. So for me, a mission is really the whole point of what we're doing, but the purpose is what it's serving. So for us, serving others is our mission. And I kind of challenge myself on that. And I was like, well, why? why? Why do we need to serve others? That sounds tiring. Well, we do it for our bigger purpose, which is to create happiness in a place of rejuvenation for our patients, team members, and the community. Mm. And so it's serving that bigger purpose. And that's how we get there. And we use values. This is stuff that I've learned from other places. Mm-hmm. But the values are there to help decision-making for your employees on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so they're in a specific order. Disney uses safety, courtesy, show efficiency in that order. So in moments where decisions need to be made, they are empowered to do that based on what the values are. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool. So if you look in the context of Disney, safety's first. So if they're is something happening, like in an orthodontic clinic, for example, mm-hmm. if, if someone walks through the door, but you've got, you know, one of your patients, Billy, is playing in the dental drill, mm-hmm. the employee will always know that they'll start with, hey, Billy, for your safety, I'm going to have you come over here and take care of the safety component first before greeting the person who just walked through the door, which would be considered courtesy. Gotcha. And show is, you know, how things look. So maybe they'll clean up yeah. a mess that was sitting there after taking care of safety, greeting, now clean up the mess. Mm. So it really is, it helps guide those because employee empowerment is a huge component to creating a culture, giving them the autonomy to take care of things on the moment is huge too. Yeah. And I I know you've also taken principles from like Ritz Carlton, where for example, they have maybe, what is it? $2,000 per guest per day to sort of make things right. We empower employees to make things right, right away. And you think about it again, you don't even have to go to the Ritz-Carlton to understand this concept. If you are on the phone with someone or a company with a frustration mm-hmm. and they need to go talk to someone else who needs to go talk to somebody else and extends out and it just gets more frustrating each step you have to take. I challenge those doctors out there that say, no, I have to be a part of every decision. I have to control every little bit. Um, just to challenge yourself, what is holding you back hmm. from giving your team empowering your team to handle things for your customer and do what's right for you. They are willing and ready to do it if you can take that jump. But it really goes back to just setting. If you want to set boundaries on what that looks like, you can do that. But let them take care of things for you. It's a game changer. And I think a lot of orthodontists, and at times I'm guilty of this too, we just fall into that trap where we're such type A people and sort of uh, Absolutely. Can, can micromanage when we don't necessarily intend to, yeah. right? But this reminds me a lot of my first podcast with Ben Fishbein, who's just a a master at delegation and empowerment. Absolutely. One other thing that's helped us a ton is I've taken a lot of time to try to get to know the strengths of the team members through lots of different things to understand what their core motivations and fears are. We use Enneagram a lot. We use Colby tests. We use things that help me understand them. So rather than making them all thinking like me, Mm -hmm. I want them to think like them. And I want to use those skills to make our place better. And if I can understand that and then understand how they all operate and where their miscommunications are, it helps with solving conflicts among the team. It helps um, make our team better if we all have diversity of thought. We all line up with serving others for our common purpose, but we can all be different within that context. When we come back in just a moment, We discuss empowering your team to create wow customer service moments and what to do when things don't go exactly according to plan. Stay with us. You're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Podcast. 
kind support for this podcast comes from Lightforce Orthodontics. Lightforce was co-founded by orthodontist Dr. Alfred Griffin and is one of the fastest growing companies in orthodontics. Lightforce provides a digital platform to fully customize 3D printed tooth moving tools. They've recently launched the world's first fully custom 3D printed translucent bracket. And with their revolutionary face map technology, you can even plan for optimal aesthetics in SmileArc by incorporating a digital scan of your patient's face. Complete customization enables your cases to not only finish faster, but with even better results. Head over to lightforceortho.com to request your demo today. Welcome back to my conversation with Dr. Grant Collins. As orthodontists, we always plan for our daily operations to run perfectly. But what happens when things go less than perfect? So, you know, when things go wrong, which I think a lot of offices don't want to talk about because we want to just talk about how things happen when they go right. And Mm -hmm. of course, it won't go wrong if we always do it right. But that's not reality. Things always go wrong. it's, It's part of your daily operations. So, we talk about it in advance. For example, if you know a bracket pops off two or three times in a day for a patient, man, they're pretty upset by that time. Oh, yeah. I would be too. We talk about service recovery steps. I remember the first time we did this, I was really stressed about it. And I'm like, you know what? We need to do something big for this patient. And so I grabbed a care card and wrote a little note, put some movie tickets in it, put some, you know, some tickets for some free popcorn and just wrote, hey, I know you love seeing us, but three times in one day probably isn't what you had in mind. <laughs> Instead of seeing us tonight, why don't you grab a movie on us? We That's appreciate so you. Awesome. And it flipped it from a really negative experience to a positive one. And that mom posted about us on Facebook later that night with the movie. Hey, we're at the movie. We love Collins. And and to flip it like that is huge. But just to show you care and that you're human, you make mistakes, but you want to make it right. That's one thing I'd love to do with my team is just carve out some time to role play those situations. Because that's when it seems that everything goes off kilter is when you have something unexpected. But if your team is already prepared for it, it sort of like alleviates a lot of that stress, right? Because the team gets stressed, then maybe I might get stressed. Absolutely. I think the role playing is huge. It gives them those guidelines and then and then empowering them and realize that they might take care of things. If you empower them and say, if they know your mission and values and everything, empower them to take care of things at the moment. And they might discover a new type of service recovery that you would have never thought of and so to celebrate that with them, and, and you'll find some cool stuff. Your team is, is a smart group. They'll figure stuff out. That's awesome. Do you have any examples you can think of in terms of like a service recovery in, in your practice? Oh, yeah. We have tons of examples. I mean, anytime we're running behind or doing something, because time is a huge issue for patients. But if we're running behind, we, we had the coffee shop next door. We would be buying them coffee. We'd be buying them whatever. If they mentioned that, man, I'm really stressed because we're going over time. and I got to get my kid back to school and we don't have time to do this. We'll buy them lunch somewhere and bring it, you know to them. That's awesome. But we do a lot of what's called wow moments at our office. Those Mm -hmm. are kind of the more common ones. For instance, the other day, I think it was last week, we had a patient that was talking about how their favorite, you know, cereal was Honey Nut Cheerios because he he was wearing like a Lucky Charms shirt or something like that. And so he loves collecting this stuff. And we asked him what his favorite cereal was, Honey Nut Cheerios. So we connected over that. And one of my team members decided to order him a shirt that was like a Honey Nut Cheerios shirt get him a box of Honey Nut Cheerios, wrote him a card, sent it to him in the mail and said, hey, oh, wow. I thought you needed this too because, and we know you had the Lucky Charms one, but I know this is your favorite cereal. So we were excited. And so they came back and that was really cool. There was another another one last week that I thought of even better. We learned of a patient that was going to be driving a long distance with their family for vacation. We were kind of teasing about how long the car ride could be. We asked them, oh yeah, do you guys ever get snacks in there, whatever? And they, they shared some of their favorite snacks they get at the whatever. So we bought all those snacks for them sent it in the mail to them, wished them well on their trip. And uh, we were getting pictures from them. Be like, oh, you guys totally made our day. Like we got trail mix. We got all this stuff. Thank you for paying attention and caring about us. And so that was cool. Too. That's so cool. And what I love, Grant, is not only do you accept people stepping off task, but you encourage it as long as it fits with the mission, right? Absolutely. You just defined a wow moment according to Disney, stepping off task as long as it's on purpose. And so that's how we define it. So I have no issue with them stepping off from the regular Deweys to do that. In fact, nowadays, we love it so much, we build it into their work time. Um, we have a day a week where we are allowing them to work on projects that they want to work on. Stole this concept from Google. So Google uh, gives their employees 25% of the time they can work on whatever they want. Oh, wow. I believe that's, I've heard that's how Gmail was found. So 
we do the same concept at our clinic. So one day a week, they get all day to essentially work on projects that they want to. We've had some really cool things come from it. And they come and talk to me about it and we kind of massage out what it looks like. But we try to open that window and we've seen some really cool stuff happen at our clinic because of it. Give us an example maybe of something that's come out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So we have one gal that was super excited. She's from Mexico. We have a few people from Mexico on our team, but one gal from Mexico that wanted to set up. She said, hey, we got a lot of great content here, but I think we should do it all in Spanish too. So she went and said, well, my project is, is I want to take all the materials that we have and translate them into Spanish and make it accessible for our Spanish-speaking patients. So that was one. Oh, we've that's, had that's some, fantastic. We've had some, we have one person who is super excited about a certain type of aerobics type stuff. Mm-hmm. So she led a class for us, teaching us all and doing classes on like aerobics and healthy lifestyle stuff. Every week we have two people lecture and teach us something about them or their lives or something that could better us as a team. Tons of cool topics that way too. Oh, so cool. And now do you guys do that like over lunch or maybe just like on an admin day? Or on an admin day, yeah. Okay. Yep. So we've had mental health type things. We've had Enneagram type things. We've had um, learning about the various cultures. We have a pretty diverse team. So mm-hmm. we've got you know people from all over the world that work for us. So we can be more understanding and compassionate to our patients from different countries. We just, mm-hmm. we learn more about that. We've played games from what those cultures are too, sometimes too. And just, oh, just to awesome. learn things. Some people get up and want to talk about leadership type thing. So just whatever they want to talk about. To me, it's so inspirational that you empower them to that level. And, you know, I think if you invest the time and energy, it really pays dividends in the long run. It does. I'm getting to the point in my career where, man, that's really where fulfillment comes. Like I said, it's not about me. It's coming back to that. I know that whatever I do in life, I can probably succeed in if I put my mind to it. But I'm kind of entering a phase in my career when I want to use that skill set to just help other people succeed in what they are. And, and I have a team of amazing people in front of me. So whatever we can do to empower them and, and help them feel like they're winning and, and we're all winning as a team, that'd be great. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I have to congratulate you because I know recently you moved into a brand new building. I think it was about uh, six months ago, right? New clinic. We did. Yes. We're Tell us excited. a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's been long overdue. We've been working out of this tiny little spot for a long time and I've been promising my team we'd be in a new spot. And we're finally here. It's a you know decent size, but the cool thing about building your own building is um, I love to be creative. It was like just a blank canvas and we got to really draw out what that experience looked like from start to finish when patients come to us. So we do have some really neat components in yeah, there. Yeah, walk us through it. Yeah. So aside from just the typical orthodontic clinic, some of the unique components with us would be we have a gift shop. We've got a live music, like a stage for live music, uh, starting a, a kind of a little gourmet donut shop. We've got it like so a- cool. Yeah, we got like an ocean floor, like motion sensory floor. We've got a braces colors wall. We've got wings that were painted on the outside. And we got a lot of really cool, neat things. We just want it to be very experience driven. Well, let's talk about a few of those things. So um, you put a stage in and this is for patients maybe to like do a performance, maybe team members. So the stage was like kind of a local coffee shop that had like a small stage and you'd see, you know, a guitarist and one other person singing. And it was just this kind of like, really coffee shop type vibe. And mm-hmm. I love that. And so we thought, why don't we do that in our office? So we have a small stage. It can fit, you know, one to three people up there. And our plan is to bring in kind of local musicians, you know, one to three times a month or whatever we decide on yeah. and let them play and let our patients enjoy it in the seating area slash community center area. And so we'll have a schedule up there, but we thought we'll probably expand it to more than music. We might do magicians or, you know, face painting or things like that too. Nice. And then the donut shop, you were telling me a little bit before about that. Why don't you uh, explain that? Yeah. So at our previous clinic, we had a great relationship with the coffee shop next door. Mm -hmm. Our patients would love coming because they would be able to enjoy drinks from that coffee shop. The parents would go sit over there and we thought this is a really great relationship. We'd like to continue that to our new place. But being experience driven like I am and how important that is, I wanted to control more of that process. So we decided to open our own. Mm-hmm. And so we researched and found kind of a model that we liked. And we are opening a, a donut shop. It's going to be gourmet mini donuts with unique sugar blends. That's part of it. And, oh, um, man, that sounds so good. We're excited. We recruited one of the season 10 master chef finalists to develop all the recipes for us. She's working hard for us right now, getting the systems in place. Can't wait to launch it hopefully this fall. 
Awesome. And you said you actually went to New York City to like try different donuts and like just <laughs> experience. And you know, Life's rough, right? <laughs> Do some research. But it's so cool. Yeah. And Grant, I have to give you credit for this. I know you think one of your superpowers is maybe seeing experiences through the eyes of others. To me, I think one of your greatest superpowers perhaps is thinking differently and just going outside of the typical ortho office and experiencing something and then bringing it back into the ortho field and the ortho environment. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Yeah, that's something I've always enjoyed, the creative component. It's freeing if you allow yourself to do that because I feel like especially us orthodontists, we spend our whole educational lives trying to take tests and regurgitate information we're supposed to know. Mm-hmm. And then you, yeah, you go yeah. to these conferences and you, you want to get all the information from everyone so you could do it like them. But once you realize, well, what if I can do it how I want to do it? Mm-hmm. And what if I could be right? And, and maybe that other way isn't right. And once you free yourself from the idea that someone else has all the answers, you realize really the sky's the limit with what you can do. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So Grant, tell me a little bit about the wings outside your office. Yeah. So actually a lot of the ideas that we have don't start as the idea ended. It started as like, I thought it'd be cool to have a place at our new clinic where people would want to take photos. I saw this giant chair one time at a restaurant. People are taking photos at this restaurant with giant chair. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. We should do that. I came upon these wings that I saw on social media in Nashville called the Nashville Wings by Kelsey Montague. In the Gulch, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, those are so cool. Way better than a chair. I actually reached out to Kelsey and said, I know you tour all over the world to do these. I'd love to be part of your tour. And she agreed and came and we told her what our vision was. And they represent our program that gives free braces to children cancer survivors. It's called the Adopt-A-Shark program. We kind of stole that idea from Cole Johnson with his Adopt-A-Unicorn program, which is a little different cause, but similar concept. So we've incorporated sharks into the wings. We do a little cancer ribbon. We had somebody the other day who literally stopped by our clinic to take a photo from New York. She had been traveling across the country and went out of her way to, to come take a photo and meet us. So it was cool. Oh, that's so cool. And what a great cause. But it's interesting how ideas sort of snowball, right? Maybe yeah. you saw that idea from uh, Nashville and then it sort of morphed into childhood cancer because I don't think Kelsey's original goal was for childhood cancer, right? She does what lifts you. So she does these wings and they're for various causes and just inspirational. So her hashtag is whenever she does wings is what lifts you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our cause was childhood cancer before we even did these wings, but she was really excited to be a part of this journey. And we're going to tie that same thing into our donut shop to continue to support the program. Stay with us. After a quick word from our sponsor, we get tips for TikTok and Instagram from the Braces Guy, including how to find a healthy balance with social media. You're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. What if you came in Monday morning, looked at the schedule, and every appointment was as simple as an aligner visit? With Stride Custom Braces by KL Owen, you can leverage your investment in digital workflow to grow your practice, address staffing challenges, and find more hours in your day. Why Stride? Stride Custom Digital gives precise control in all three orders using a kit of 27 patented braces, empowering orthodontists with nearly infinite bracket combinations, advanced AI software, and true straight wire mechanics. To request a Stride Custom demo, go to kloembraces.com. Mention the Illuminate podcast and receive five free cases with your Stride starter pack with complete team training. Terms and conditions may apply. And we're back to my conversation with Dr. Grant Collins. Last count, I think you had 3 million subscribers. We just hit four this last week. Congratulations. Yeah, we're pretty excited. That's awesome. I'm I'm actually not on TikTok. I tried to do it for a while and it just, I don't know, it just didn't feel like me. It's a different field than some of the other social media. It's definitely short form video. I think it's easier for people to naturally consume it than do it because it's not a super easy thing to make short form video, but mm-hmm. but I think people really do enjoy it. To me, social media has just been a medium to express yourself and express your creativity. And I think some of the guys that I appreciate and respect the most in social media are doing that same thing. Who are some of the people you follow on, on social media? 
in terms of uh, orthodontists? You know what's funny with orthodontists? I mean, you've got Cole Johnson has been an inspiration very early on for me because I saw these videos he was doing. Um, he did these yearly Christmas videos, and he'd also those were great. a lot of people don't know about the videos he was doing even before then. They were very creative and funny, and it inspired me to try doing some similar things early on. And then uh, we just kind of became our own thing eventually. But he was a big inspiration early on. Right now, I mean, Kyle Fagler has always been so good at stuff. Okay. The Bentist on TikTok also does some big things. So he was mm-hmm. there even before I got on there. So it's just been fun to watch. It sounds weird, but I don't consume social media very much. I enjoy the creating part of it. And then I post and and that's usually about it. And you sort of just walk away, right? I do. Yeah. It's. I mean, we could get into this for hours, but mm-hmm. just challenging the reason why you're doing it, I would suggest to never chase followers or statistics. I know we can get into that pretty big as orthodontists because we always want to get that feedback on how we're doing, but it can lead you down a dark path too. Yeah. And it can start to affect your mental health and if you're not getting that validation, right? It's scary how it can. And I think you'd find that with a lot of bigger influencers or people who have gotten there. It's, it really is a dopamine hit when you, Mm -hmm. when you, your videos perform a certain way and it, it fills you up for that instant but it's very short-lived and can be addictive. It can destroy your mental health. So I think really just making sure you're in a good state and doing things for the right reasons is important when you're doing social media. Yeah. So what are some tips maybe you have in terms of just having like a healthier relationship with social media? You know, I would say one of the things that's helped me a lot is really just making sure that your relationships in your real life are good and that you're not substituting those for whatever validation you're looking for through social media, Mm -hmm. one of the tips I'd have is after you're done posting, just walk away. It's so easy to just sit there and fixate how did it perform. Mm -hmm. I think that the setup of these apps is designed to be addictive. It's designed to look for that little red notification. Notification, And so I think I would suggest if you can, you can respond to a few comments, but I would suggest walking away after that. And then I'm not a consumer, but a lot of people that have described maybe that they will get envy or see other people living these perfect lives and start to feel bad about themselves. So I'd say just to give yourself grace and maybe if you're not in a good state, not browsing through and and thinking everyone has it perfect. And I guarantee you they don't. Oh, I think you're absolutely right on that. I want to circle back a little bit about some of the content you have on whether TikTok, Instagram, but I think it's fantastic how you're able to really connect and speak with the patients. You have how-to videos on there, FAQ videos, braces fashion, color inspo, before and after transformations. I mean, it's really the gamut and I think it's fantastic. I enjoy a variety of content. Just, I don't like getting stuck with one thing. It just doesn't, doesn't bring joy to me unless, you know, there's a creative component to it. We love doing kind of funny videos sometimes or relatable videos, things that will make us all smile and laugh. Educational videos to really help people as well. I think it lines up with our mission. Involving the team when we can and um, yeah, just keeping it really fun and different and unique. Let's talk about some of the color inspiration. And I know your younger sister, Jenna, is like a graphic designer, right? Did she help you or maybe other team members as well as like coming up with some of the names for these colors and some of the combinations? Yeah. So my sister, she's more of uh, picture editing. So video editing is is something that that I enjoy. So I haven't delegated that yet. However, the team is so good at coming up with different color combinations. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll just all sit down and think of, hey, what's this uh, video theme going to be? Let's just have a contest. You know, you guys all come up with some combination of colors. We'll give it a name, we'll record these and, and push it out and, and get patients excited about it. So then not only are the patients excited about it now, but also the team because people are picking the colors that they came up with. So Yeah, so cool. And one question I had, and this is a geeky question, but where do you get your O ties or your elastics, whatever you'd like to call them? We use them from, I think they're American. American um, ortho, yep, okay. It's crazy because we use a lot of Ormco brackets too. We use some uh, American brackets as well, and then we use the American ties. Now, do you have to find colors from other manufacturers, or you stay strictly with American? Most of them we can get from American. We have used some from some other manufacturers, um, you know, in general. But I think you know most of them are from American. Are there any like limited edition Collins colors? 
<laughs> I know. I wish <laughs> we've done glow in the dark. We've done. I'd love it so that we can, you know, create colors that hopefully other offices have too, so that they can experience the fun too. I get pictures and and texts and things from all sorts of other offices showing them what they're doing, which is really fun for us. That's awesome. So if if you want me to negotiate a deal with you, I certainly can help you with that. <laughs> that sounds great. I'd love it. <laughs> Let's talk about. You know, I love the humor that you have on there. Where does this come from? Like, did you watch a lot of I don't know, like Saturday Night Live or some other shows? growing up like you, playing these characters you called it saturday night live was huge for me growing up i still enjoy that cast i mean i love the will fortes will arnett i love tina fey my wife and i love laughing we love watching comedies dry humor all that stuff it, it's something i don't think i'm naturally more funny than other people but i love to take that creative twist on things and pull out relatable things that people experience in an orthodontic office or dental office and then kind of poke fun at it a little bit, make it a little less scary. Yeah. And you play a number of characters on your social <laughs> media, whether it's uh, Brittany the patient, right? Yeah. Do, you do a, little, a little Brittany voice for us? It's mostly because I have no staff members <laughs> willing to help me in these. So I have to play my own characters because they're like, no, I don't want to do that. So Brittany has like a purple wig, right? But Brittany has a purple wig. And then Karen is, I think, the bigger one now. Yeah, Karen has really gone uh, yeah, mainstream, I think, on your social I've had media. some people... That requests that I just not do any normal videos and have just Karen take over the account. So I'm pretty sure I'm being overthrown right now. Yeah, so I'm yeah. no longer the braces guy. And maybe maybe it's like a spinoff or something. I, I think Karen it might have hygienist. to be. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Karen the Hygienist, it's sort of like a meme on the whole Karen craze of the past year. And Karen has a uh, short wig and a very nice, how would you describe it? Like a uh, scrub top that one hygienist might wear from the 1990s or something. <laughs> Got a lot of cartoon teeth and maybe some animals on it and yeah, some cats and things and like cats that. And so. things like that. Oh, yeah. But the big question I have is like, have you offended any actual dental hygienist by doing oh, this? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I have. <laughs> you know, I've had a few reach out and like, ironically, it's usually the Karen hygienist that yeah, yeah, are exactly. the most offended. I'd say the overwhelming majority of hygienists take it well and laugh at it a little bit. Because, I mean, it's the things that we laugh about already. I mean, there's things out there that you might as well bring light to. The fact that we put bonded retainers in right. and they hate it. Or the fact that we leave glue on teeth. And I just think it's kind of fun to poke fun at it a little bit and bring it out into the open and not take it so seriously. And be like, hey, I know that stuff that we do that annoys you and stuff that you do that annoys us. But hey, we're all here helping patients and we can pick fun at it a little bit. Yeah. And again, that speaks to your ability to like observe these things, right? And pick up on them. I think so too. I think so too. And I think one of the reasons why people enjoy the Karen sketches is she's willing to say what a lot of people are thinking. And I think people kind of love that. Yeah, you say it. You, you tell them out there what you're thinking. And I think some of the hygienists actually like it for that reason. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Awesome. So what would Karen say about like a bonded lingual retainer? So, so Karen, would, Karen would definitely say that that's ridiculous. And um, she would, she didn't, that would, I got a little scratch in my throat right now, so it's not my best impression, but she would, she would definitely not like the bonded retainers at all. I think she just, like I said, says it like it is. I think we have one sketch where she's calling up the orthodontist, calling him by his first name, calling him Jeff <laughs> and uh, just cursing him out. Karen curses a lot. So we have a lot of bleeping in our, in our videos. I, I think that's probably the funniest part. The fact that you bleep it, that makes it even funnier. I got to do that or TikTok takes it down. Plus it's, I got a bunch of 12 year olds watching my channel. So yeah, there's, there's no sense. actual curse words coming out of here, but yeah. Makes sense. So Grant, tell us some social media tips that you might have for people. So yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like on social media, if you're looking at Facebook versus Instagram versus TikTok, just kind of knowing your audience is a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And so on Facebook, just knowing the demographic, you're probably going to get a lot of moms and a lot of grandmas in there and just understanding that, you know, that's mostly who you're going to be talking to. I don't do, mm -hmm. do Facebook quite as much. So there's people out there that'll, that'll know far more than I will there. Instagram's kind of neat because it's more photo centric. It mm -hmm. gives you the opportunity to do stories, which gives you behind the scenes look at you and your office and maybe just you more a little bit more personally which mm -hmm. is nice so i think instagram stories is a great place to start but for tiktok which a lot of people ask about well how do you do that i'd say one pearl i can give to you guys that has helped me a ton is just understanding that it's your ability to grab someone's attention and keep it is really the name of the game on tiktok if you can mm. get them to watch your video most of the time to completion the video will generally do pretty well. And so I have a pearl for 
you guys that has helped me is that mm-hmm. I have someone in my office that has a very low attention span, almost as low as mine, but I will show her videos and ask her, when would you swipe out of this video? Before I'll post it, hmm. I'll ask her. Yeah. And she'll tell me, I said, you got to be brutally honest. And she'll tell me exact the moment and I'll know, okay, I need to go and maybe refocus on the edit to make it a little bit more palatable for people on TikTok. Because TikTok is one of those ones where people are looking to swipe quickly. Mm-hmm. If they're not entertained within the first three seconds, really you probably have about one second to capture their attention to give, convince them to stay on your video, first of all. Yeah. Because remember on TikTok, they're not searching out your topic. Your video is landing on their feed. Mm-hmm. And so you need to convince them, give them a reason to stay. Versus on YouTube, it's different because when people are landing on a lot of your YouTube channel videos, they're searching for the terms that are, you know, related to your video. They're searching braces and now they're getting to your post. So it's a little different feel. So those videos can generally be longer, even though YouTube just launched a shorts thing that's similar to TikTok and that's different. Oh, did they? But, okay. but yeah, that's, I would say understanding attention and, and capturing it and then keeping it is important. Grant, what I love about you as a creator is that you're actually curating your content. I think a lot of creators out there sort of subscribe to that volume approach where, hey, I'm just going to like throw a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks. And ultimately what happens is you're going to have a few that do stick, but a lot that don't. And then people don't want to come back and watch your your content if they're not getting value from it. That's a great point. You're right. I, I feel like your content has to be your personality. And creating your own is is huge. And so one thing that I've learned is I feel like I have a pretty good idea of understanding what people want and becoming that if I need to be successful. But I got to a point in my social media career where I said, hey, I need this to be authentic and be who I am, not what other people always want me to be. Now, I still try to project out when I do create a video, I, you know, you want it to do as well as it can. Sure. So you'll edit it in a way that helps that. But I think it's important not to just be a chameleon and turn into everything you think needs to be successful because I don't think you'll find joy in that. I think you you can get a lot of views and followers from it, but I think the fulfillment's not going to be there. No, that makes sense. Circling back to just some social media tips, what apps or software do you use to edit your video? Oh, great question. You know, you can use something as simple as just like a perfect video is is an app that I use for this, the simple edits. You can do some really powerful editing within the TikTok app. Okay. But the one that I love the most is Final Cut Pro. And from Apple. From Apple. Mm-hmm. And it just gives me a little bit more control over certain things. So I can control the volume at certain spots of it. I can mix and match things a little bit easier, add text in ways that I want a little bit easier. So it's really, that's my go-to. That's and, my favorite. And does Final Cut support different formats like 16 by 9 or Absolutely. Square? And, yep. Okay, you, just, you just put in whatever format you want. And it, there is a learning curve, but listen, I'm not super tech savvy. So if I can learn it, anybody can. And did you just learn Final Cut from like YouTube videos, basically? Kind of just messing around, to be honest. Okay. So, I mean, there are YouTube videos that if I get stuck on something, I can learn it there. I, I, could, I could absolutely you know, learn more about it and probably use it even more powerful than I currently do. But, you know, for me, it's the storytelling, the creative part that's always my favorite part of it. You know, one of the things you feature prominently on your social media is your beautiful family. And at times, I think I might be looking at Ken and Barbie, looking at you and your beautiful wife, uh, Kimberly, and then your children, which also are blonde hair, blue eye for the most part. They beautiful are. Beautiful kids. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. My wife is far more beautiful than, than me, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, we want to give people a glimpse into to our personal life a little bit too. And I think when we started to get more and more followers from all over the world, now I'm a little bit more controlled over what we show. I just want to make sure they're safe and that we're not sharing so much. They're in tons of our personal business, but we love to give them a real look at us and some of the fun personal moments as well. I mean, that brings up a great question. Like where is that fine line or balance between, you know, private life and public life on social media? You know, for me, I was pretty open at sharing most things, I think a little bit earlier on, but since TikTok kind of exploded for us and and Instagram's following and and we've become a little bit more recognizable, it's starting to become that articles are written about, you know, your family and you and the things and they're projecting all this stuff out there. And I just realized it just has changed. It has a different Mm. flavor. There's a lot of people who know us from all over now. And so at that point, I'm actually a pretty private introverted person in real life. And so 
you know, to some degree, I, I really enjoy that part of thing. I, you know, the braces guy is great, but I do still want to keep, you know, like my kids safe. So we're not going to post certain things about like where they're going to school. And, you know, mm. if they're having some big hardships, I want them to be, they don't need that publicly displayed. Yeah. Um, we want to be good parents to them and, and just good people in general to the people. So the relationship side of it will always be something I'm really, you know, is important to me that we keep certain things offline. I have just amazing kids with cute personalities and really oh, yeah. fun, quirky things. I think sharing that with the world at times and, you know, doing that in a great way is, is has been helpful for us too. I mean, are there any times that Kimberly or your kids just like don't want to do social media and just oh, like... Absolutely. It's fun because it's one of those things I think as kids, they want to make you proud, you know, and I'm sure we were like that as kids too. And mm-hmm. they just want an affirmation and approval. And, you know, what I'm noticing is even my eight-year-old is starting to get to the point where, hey dad, you know, you should try this for a, a TikTok or I'm going to, you know, shoot a video too and stuff like that. And I'm just m- trying to be careful, not associating his approval and success with performing for me. And so I've had to catch myself at some point where instead of, you know, filming a moment that we're having with our family for social media, just putting your phone away mm-hmm. and enjoying the moment with your family, not for social media. And that is huge. And just for me, that was a game changer because I don't want them at some point to think I have to perform to gain my dad's approval. Right. It's just that can be, I think, probably pretty tough growing up with that and maybe cause some deep issues when you're older too. Yeah. So really just, just making sure I'm keeping that in check. You know, naturally, we can all get to that. We want to show the world this, but... Right. Yeah, um, we sort of fall into that trap. Like, I know I post a lot more when I'm traveling or doing something on vacation, right? But at the same time, those are the times that you should be spending with family and and not just, uh, you know, on your phone and and snapping pictures and videos. We could go on this for hours, but that's something that really dove into a lot the last uh, few months, too, even. It's Mm -hmm. just saying, well, cool, you can... You go on these trips or whatever, and it's like, okay, we can post, but why are we posting? Why are we doing this? Is it to be seen? Is it to be affirmed? Is it, you know, what is the reason behind it? So, you know, I think it's good for people to just, you know, I've done a lot of work with this Enneagram stuff too, where you get to do really become self-aware of what's the driving force behind what I do and why I do it. And what is my core fear and how does that play into who I am today? That's a whole nother podcast, I think, uh, topic. (laughs) But, oh man, it's so cool when you go there. Yeah. Awesome. Some of your other interests, I think this is super cool, but you were in Australia at one point for six weeks, right? I was, yes. Tell us about that. Studying in Australia when I was in college, it was the best decision of my life. I wasn't a great writer or or really great in any type of uh, kind of literature or English topic. I was more of a math science kid, so I thought if I'm going to have to study this stuff, I might as well go do it somewhere fun. Yeah. And so I did travel writing in Australia. Amazing decision. You know, we basically went around the country, experienced things, and wrote about it. And I think at that moment, I realized I actually do enjoy writing. Um, you know, I'm not the most talented writer in the world, but it allowed me, again, to have some creativity. We got to experience some pretty cool things there, too. Cool. Well, Grant, thank you so much for your time today. I enjoyed having you on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful time at MOPC, and it's great to be in Minnesota. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. If you like the show, please take a second to click subscribe. Also, I'd really appreciate if you could share this show with your friends. Until next time, this is Chris Setta signing off.